1: G'day. This is Better Than Yesterday. Thanks for being a part of the show. Uh, Here we are just to try to help make your day today better than yesterday. We've been here since 2013 and um, that's what we try to do each and every show, make your day better than it was. I'm Osha Ginsburg. I'm a TV host. I'm a podcaster. I'm a... um I guess I'm now. I am I am someone who has done a successful show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Uh, am, I, am I a comedian? Am I a news satirist? I don't know what. Like I'm, I'm going to have to put another thing in the byline by now. Something extra for the Instagram bio. But I'm here Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Mondays, Wednesdays with a guest. And Fridays, I'm, it's just n- n- me and you. And... Um, I would like to check in with you today. I've been running a couple of episodes on Fridays uh, just to kind of recapping the news show that we've been doing live, which has been shit tons of fun. But I just kind of wanted to talk a little about, I think it's like maybe 10 things that I learned from doing 10 shows in a row at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. If this is your first episode, the short version is that normally I work on television where my job in that show is to either you know count roses in a whispery voice or to shout screamingly loudly someone's you know, whatever I can remember of that person's career at their head when they pull off the top of a giant anthropomorphic toothbrush or something when we're doing Mask Singer. Or, or or narrate people getting rescued by lifeguards. So that's like kind of like the, my big three TV jobs that most people know me for. I also do, I do keynote speaking and I write books and I do this podcast. But I've never really done anything like what I've just done. Um, which is over the last three months I've launched a live news show, which is a satirical news show, Um, but it's a news show nonetheless and it reports the news of the day. And we have a very satirical look at what is going on in the world as told through essentially participatory live theatre, I guess. It's amazingly fun. And we got invited to do, after doing a, a successful run in Sydney, we got invited to do the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, which is bonkers. We did 10 shows at the Malt House, which is in um, South Bank in, in Melbourne, and it was audacious to say the least that I would think, yep, no worries, I can sort that out. So I think the first thing that I learned doing that is that if you are trying to essentially produce a tonight show a nightly satirical news show of you know tightly written comedy and added with in- incredible improvisers who are riffing off of the tightly written stuff because it, if I write shit, they, they don't have much to work with, so I have to write a lot really carefully to make sure they got everything they need to do their job. If you're trying to do a, essentially a tonight show every night with a tenth of the resources, it's really hard. It's really hard. <laughs> And if you're me, who, who, I love a deadline, right? So no matter what, 7.15 every night, house lights go down, vibe tape stops, intro music plays, I walk out on stage. I wake up that morning without a show. I have no choice. I have no choice but to write the fucking show. And it ended up to be about two and a half thousand words of tight, as tight as I could get it, essentially comedy which is the thing that I now know that I can do. But it's a lot of work, man. Holy shit. I saw for like two weeks, best part of two weeks, I stared at a laptop, the inside of a theater and a laptop. And then I slept. That was it. That's the only things I did. I didn't do anything else. I I brought half the clothes I brought were workout clothes. (laughs) I brought a suit, one pair of jeans, six t-shirts, six pairs of undies and a heap of training gear. And I trained once. That was it <laughs> while the show was on bonkers because uh, I was just flat out. So it's, it was really hard work. So I would, I would prep more meals, that's for sure. I didn't have enough meals prepared. I didn't have enough brain power to even cook because Audrey came down to visit and brought Wolfie with her and she went and did some groceries and said, here, have this, have this, have this. This is super easy. Throw that in the microwave, put it with that, pour that on it, dinner. That was even too much for the end of the day at the end of the day. So, I would need to prep meals more. The other thing I learned was that I just, I learned to trust in my ability to deliver it in front of an audience. So, I would w- write it and then, like, as I was writing it, I'd do my very best to it. And then, as I was collating the little bits and pieces into the final script, I would have a, I'd read it out loud and just make any adjustments then. And then just trust that in the moment when I'm in front of the audience, I will either add or subtract or adjust that thing so it will work and trust that it will work. And that was hard because I would sometimes spend too long overwriting and I would have to limit myself to like, no, you do two passes, you write it first, you do another pass when you read it out loud and hear how it sounds coming out of your mouth when you're creating the final script and then the next time you speak it out loud will be in front of a crowd and trust that it's good enough that I don't need you to keep going back and back and back and trying to get it better and better and better and better. No, like put the brush down, the painting is finished. Hit save on the file, the, the presentation is done. Like, no, that's it. That is going to have to be it because I have to move on. The other thing I learned is that my cast are absolutely fucking lutely incredible. My cast are amazing, led by the great and powerful Claire Kavanagh, Alex Reynolds, Araya Golgowski, Josh McGee, Jeeves Verma, Hayden Wright, John Glover, just astoundingly clever improvisers. Very, very, very good. Because improvising isn't just, yes and, motherfucker. It like There's a lot to it. Particularly if I'm throwing them stuff they may not know about. And so I also learned that I got quite good at priming. So we had a group chat. Now priming is the idea of, I don't know, say you know you're going to go past a lawnmower shop at some point in the afternoon and you're in the game for a new lawnmower, early in the day, you might mention, Oh man, the grasses. That was looking a bit weary. Eh. And so you pop it in there. And then later that afternoon, when you walk past the lawnmower shop, you may be surprised if the person in your whiskers goes, Oh wow, look at that. Oh, this is briggs and stratton. What if we get that's a great idea. We should totally get it. So you now participated, it's a form of manipulation. You've participated in a thing called priming. Sales do it all the time. That's why you have a bigger TV than the one you wanted. Um, but the thing with the show and the incredible part about improv and the, the, the danger of the show, which is what people want to come to see, the high wire act is that the cast have absolutely no idea about the story before I tell them the story. And so they create the story in the moment. They know nothing about what I'm about to throw to them. But if I'm throwing them something that requires an amount of knowledge about a subject to make sure that the story that they're telling, the news story they're going to recreate, is believable. A perfect example is sports betting. If you're unfamiliar, if you've never opened a sports betting app, you don't have no idea what a multi is. You don't know what a quadrilla is. You've got no fucking clue. But how can I get my cast to know what these things are without blowing the idea that you're going to tell a gambling story tonight, or you know something like that? And so I got really good at dropping into the group chat little videos or something like this that just kind of started their brain working and giving them the raw intel and the raw info that they would need. And then I would see it on stage and be like, aha, you watched the video. I can tell because you didn't know how to what that was yesterday and now you do. So jolly good. And why would they? You know, why would they? I'm a fucking nerdy person and I know, I know too much about too many things. And yeah, so I got really good at that. And... The other thing that I guess I learned was that the people that I got in to help me were just the best. I, the longest part of making this show is uh, the writing is, is, is hard, but the longest, the thing that takes the most amount of time is finding the stories because not every story will work on stage. What we need is a story that is interesting enough, but also has an element of discovery that the cast can go through in, in front of an audience. For example, we did a story about some places in the UK are experimenting with gender-neutral terms for God. So that's a fact. But where is the discovery in that? And the discovery was in that the sorts of institutions that were experimenting with this and that they were the schools and, and things like this. And so how do we then get the angle to have that moment of discovery of like, well, what would happen when we start having gender-neutral pronouns for God? in this particular environment and therein lies the moment where we explore what that looks like in reality and then it's very funny but also we can think a little bit about it about the news a little differently so finding those particular stories takes takes a long time especially ones that will actually work and so I got some fantastic people to come and help me first off as a brilliant kid by the name of Jez Fenton Menzies when I is Jez F dot M on Instagram. When I first started posting stuff about this show, he just reached out to me on email. I said, Hey, look, I love writing this kind of stuff. I did it. He's really young too. He was like 23 or 24. And he said, I love writing this kind of thing, but there's not many outlets in Australia to do it. Can I write you a couple lines? I'm like, sure. I've got no money right now, but sure. And so he helped out with a couple of the early shows in Sydney. And then when we came to do the Melbourne show, I'm, I'm like, buddy, you, you're writing really well. Let's, let's go. And so he was brilliant. He was really, really good. He had an you know really good ideas. but that was it was just me and him as far as the boys. And then what's really important to me is that I have not only do I have three women on stage, uh, which is awesome, I also have th- three incredible women who helped me write it, not everybody all at once right so, so everyone's busy so like different people work on different days helping me get the stories together. So the people that helped me write it were Jen Fricker, who's fantastic, Chris Ryan. She's magnificent, and a Brody Snook, who's also just absolutely brilliant. And what was great about having these three women write stories for me was that I I only know the world through my eyes. I'm a 49 year old heteronormative white guy from the safe suburbs of Brisbane. All right. I have a comfortable life. I have access to healthcare. I rarely, if ever, fear peril when I walk down the street because I'm a man and I walk around at night and it's fine. However, I don't know what it's like to not be me. So using people to write, help me write this show who look at the world through those eyes is really, really important. And having people on stage that experience the world in a different way to me is super, super important. Because then it, you know, I am trying my very best to make sure that I can bring different aspects that we otherwise don't get represented when we hear about the news. And Jen and Brody and Chris, I gave them f- like a full pep talk going, look, write as if I am the clueless, shall we say, conservative cable news network host and have no qualms at all talking about women in a way that we have seen from our media, unfortunately, far too often. And they went, OK, challenge accepted. And these ladies wrote lines for me that I would never in a bajillion years ever speak. Speak out loud, you know, let alone write for myself to perform in front of an audience. And yet, there was a line, I think it was one of Brody's lines. It was about the wage gap. And it's really important. I wanted to do a story about the wage gap. So we're doing a story about the wage gap. And um, I think the line was something like construction and finance are the two worst industries to work in. If you're a woman, there is a whopping 22% pay gap between men and women doing the same job. But I'm going to have to check that figure because a chick did the maths here. You know, terrible terrible and the crowd was like oh! and i would never have delivered that never written that but because i'm pretty sure it was brodie wrote it i was like fuck she's written it for me to do and and i was able to deliver these these lines particularly the stuff that kind of draws attention to the inequality and um the completely different parallel universes that women exist in into men um it really allowed me to really lean in and, and and have people just go what the fuck and it was great it was so great. So these these four people that helped me write it, just amazing. But Jen Fricker, Brody Snook and Chris Ryan, they're all stand-ups. You absolutely have to go and see them if you can. Melbourne still, uh, Chris and Brody are still doing shows in Melbourne. I don't know if Jen's doing a show still in Melbourne, but definitely, yeah, absolutely go check them out. So that was amazing. And as well, watching Claire and Alex and Araya perform on stage every night was just brilliant. Those women are just a th- thousand times of brilliance and just brought the most cringing kind of testicle shrinking rampages. And it was amazing because they just, the thing about improv is you you play to your highest, highest intelligence and you play to your truths because that's more believable. And your truth might be, I'm doing an impression of the person in my life that is a misogynist or I am speaking as, you know, everything I heard from the person that I know that got treated this particular way at work or the way that I got treated at work. And so on stage, Raya and Claire and Alex were just bringing the most unbelievably powerful staff. It was fantastic. And so that was great. And the last thing that really blew my mind was, I don't know who the fuck was in the audience. Because let's say for example, it was, you know, 80 people in the crowd. I'd say at the start of the show, who listens to the podcast? Like one person or two people would put up their hands. Okay, there's two of you. Who watches any TV that I make? And like four people put their hands up. Okay then. So who the fuck are the other 74 of you? Blew my mind that every night, like all the work I've been doing in the public eye, this podcast, the book that I wrote, the live shows that I've done in the past, the TV that I make, Nearly all of those people didn't come. Everybody else, wow, there's a whole new audience to get to know. I'm amazed, blew my mind. Who the fuck, I really wanted to spend more time, but I didn't have enough time because it was a show right after us. So we had to get out of the theater and pack everything down and get out of the way because it was a show starting 20 minutes after we said goodnight. So I didn't get a chance to speak to the people that showed up, but it was freaking cool, man. I had no idea. There's this whole other part of the country that, and and I love that you listen to this show. Don't get me wrong. I love it. I have been making this show for, you know, 10 years and it's killing. And I will not stop making this because this I love. But now there's this whole other bunch of people that I hope can get to come to the party. I'd love to come listen to this podcast. Amazing. It's wild. It's wild. If you'd like to really fuck up that statistic of mine, the old, uh, I think it's 1%. No, two. What's 40%. What's two, what's, what's two people in 80? I don't know. If two out of 80 people, that's all I know. If you'd like to fuck that up, you can come along. We're doing six shows, I think. Third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Yeah, we're doing six shows in Sydney from the 3rd of May to the 8th of May. Um, we're at the Manning Bar at, the, at Sydney Uni. We're on late, which is fun. So about 8.30, so you can go get dinner before. But come along, special guests every night. The guests we had in Melbourne... Oh, amazing. George Zanicki and Danny Minogue, uh, Natasha Exelby, Tony Martin, uh, George Alav, Michelle Laurie. Like, it was huge. The amount of people that came on stage with us and played was super fun. And that will not stop. In Sydney, there's a part of the show that requires a guest. There'll be guests every night. And they've always got amazing stories. I'd love you to come. The link's in the show notes. If you want to know what it is, go back a couple of Fridays and have a listen. That's the show. Look on my Instagram. There's some examples of what it is. Come along. If the news doesn't speak to you, then we're making news for you. If the news doesn't speak to you, have we got news for you. N T N N N N N. There's the promo. That was a long chat, but it was a lot of stuff. But I had to get through it. So thanks for listening. And thank you, Andy Ma, for coming to the show. If like keen eye, there was a few keen eyed people in the room. So of the, the two people that listened to the podcast, when I said, Hey, that's Andy Ma, like two people went, Oh my God. Because I say, Hey, thanks, Andy Ma. And there he was. And when Bree came along and said, And that's Bree Steele, people went, Oh my God. It's so like there she is. That's Bree Steele. So a big thanks to the podcast team who, who came and supported the show, Andy Maher and the beautiful Bree Steele and, of course, Rachel Barrett, who executive produces a lot of things and chases things and runs my calendar and tells me where to be and when and where to be and when. Um, I've outsourced my executive function, but hey, it works. I'm going to go. Thanks for listening. Come along to the live shows. If you can't make it, um, have a listen to some of the podcasts. I hope you enjoyed the Daniel Sloss episode on, the, on Monday. That was super duper, man. He's amazing. Go a check out Slice. Check out his specials. Solid. Real solid. I'm going to go. Thanks for being a part of it. I'll see you Monday. We're going to speak with a chef, an incredibly famous chef, who, even though this person, the very best thing they're good at is cooking, has managed to find a way to help in an amazingly huge way, help, the, the victims of uh, the devastating earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. Through cooking, we also talk about what it's like to explore the world with your mouth. Food being art that you look at with your face, well, your tongue, essentially. It's a great chat. I'll talk to you then. Mwah!